We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into game week. The college football season is here and K-State takes on Stanford on Saturday. We are going to get you all teed up and ready to go for the Wildcats in Arlington today on the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Aaron Lockett, former K-State legend and wide receiver. We're going to talk plenty of K-State Stanford. We're going to talk depth chart. We got a depth chart out there, even some updates on K-State players in the NFL as rosters have been cut to 53 in the NFL, all across the league, there is plenty to get you updated on here. And I know that a lot of you are going to be headed out to Arlington for the game. If you don't have your tickets already and you're thinking about making the trip, man, there are some cheap, cheap tickets out there on the secondary market. So I would highly encourage you to go cheer on K-State. This is a very cool opportunity to go play at Jerry World. And if you're going to go, make sure and bring your 360 Vodka along. 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery do a great job, and they have really helped us out and supported everything that's happening here on KCSN, including the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. We've got a lot of versatility. If you're going to be out there, look at 7 a.m. I know that part kind of sucks, 7, 8 a.m. to be <laughs> tailgating for an 11 a.m. kickoff, but we're all pretty used to it here in the Big 12. Just ask Oklahoma about that. But that means you can go Bloody Mary. Um, that means you can be, you know, throwing back some uh, screwdrivers, right? Some vodka, some 360 vodka into the orange juice, make some screwdrivers. If you want craft cocktails, batch drinks, infusions, 360 has your drink of choice covered. It's the only vodka responsible enough to carry the world on its shoulders. 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery really appreciate their support. As always, I tell you what, Aaron, I've, I've been really juiced up all week, man. I mean, we're sitting here on Tuesday now as we uh, record this podcast, and it's like I can feel it now. Uh, yeah. the more, we just had a press conference, like the first legitimate press conference of the week. Like I am I'm ready to go watch this team. I'm, I'm sold on the optimism of this team right now, and I want to go watch them play some football. I've got my game day gear on. I got my my KCSN purple uh, jacket. I've got my my K State visor. I'm ready to go. I will be in Dallas oh, slash Arlington uh, come Saturday morning. So looking forward to it. Excited to see what the Cats going going to do on Saturday. Yeah, both of us, in fact, will be there. So uh, come say hi if you see us yeah. walking around at the game for sure. All right, so let's let's break down. Let's get into. We were talking about this a little bit before we came on and, and started recording here. The fact that we did get a depth chart ahead of the week one game. And I would say that there are not major, major surprises here. But one thing I know you noted, and it's a fair point to, to look at here on the defensive side of the ball, we don't see a nickelback listed, which 
in today's day and age in, in college football with the, the advent of the spread offense, I mean, you're, you're playing nickel a lot. But keep in mind, K-State is playing Stanford here in week one, and they're traditionally more of a power running type of team. They've branched away from that some uh, here in, in recent years, but that's really what they want to do. So K-State has listed three linebackers. So you'll see Ryan Hennington or Wayne Jones listed uh, as the Sam linebacker there as opposed to a nickel. If it's going to be nickel, it sounds like it'll be Reggie Stubblefield or Amaris Brown. But uh, just your initial impressions, Aaron, of of what we saw from that first depth chart for the Cats. So, so like you said, not too many surprises. Excited to see some new names out there. Um, definitely want to see them play and see if they can bring that level of intensity that we need. But physicality is going to be big for us against Stanford. As you mentioned, strong running game. Always have great offensive linemen headed to NFL. Lost their quarterback. Um, they're bringing another 6'4", 6'6", guy. So they've got the quarterback stance there. And so if you think about it from a Sam perspective, even if they happen to go three wide, you've got you've got Wayne and Carrington who can actually cover. And so because of that, I think we're okay on that end of it. Um, but physicality is going to be big. I mean, they're going to run down our throat. We're going to see if we be able to make those tackles. And if we can show up on that end of it, I think we're giving ourselves a better chance from the beginning. I think one thing that stood out to me on defense as a positive sign, and it's Nothing at all against Bronson Massey, who I think is a really solid player, and credit to him for sticking around for another year when he didn't have to with the COVID year. Gives them some extra depth, but he's actually listed as a second teamer on the defense, on defensive end, to Felix Anadike, who the coaches, I mean, to a man right now, will tell you they think he has a very, very bright future. Even players, I was just listening to some players today um, talk about that. I believe it was Drew Wiley, or not Drew Wiley, uh, Eli Huggins, a fellow defensive lineman who mentioned that Felix Anadike has been playing really well. And that that's encouraging because you know that they're going to need to replace the playmaking ability of of Wyatt Hubert out there on the edge. So between Anadike, Nate Matlack, and Khalid Duke, all guys who are yeah. in the two deep there at defensive end, I think they do have some playmaking ability coming along here. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, uh, looking at Boom Massey, I know Boom has worked out really hard this offseason. Uh, Boom's a Texas kid, and so I know that, you know, he spent some time here in Houston actually working out, and so I would expect him to get on the field. And when he gets on the field, I would expect him to take advantage of that. And so excited to see him in the rotation, even though he may not be a starter. I know when he gets out there, he's going to help collectively the defensive line and be special. And so, once again, those names that you mentioned, I mean, this gives us some excitement. I mean, if we can go out there and get some push, we talk about that front seven. If they can show up and really give us some push, then the back four can really win on the end of it. And, and I think that we can put ourselves in some good positions. We've got to start off fast, though. Like, we've got to believe the defense can help, help us out with field position, right? Strong return game, um, offense, excited to see what they can do. But if we can win the field position from a defensive standpoint, I think we get ourselves a good starting point. No doubt. On the offensive side, as far as the depth chart goes, you know, Malik Knowles is a starting wide receiver. That's not going to surprise anybody. Phillip Brooks is a starting wide receiver. That's not going to surprise anybody. I think one name that may be a bit of a surprise to some is the fact that Landry Weber earned a yeah. starting spot at, at receiver. And I, I will tell you, just from being someone that's attended the press conferences leading up to this season throughout fall camp, I'm not surprised by that because Chris Kleiman, he really doubled down, in fact, today at, at his final press conference ahead of the game saying that Landry just had a phenomenal camp even talking to some folks that have watched most of practice, we only got to see part of one practice, talking to folks who have been there. They just rave about what Landry's done and the fact that he has incredible hands. And if you think back to two years ago in 2019, he did contribute a decent amount. And he had a one of the best catches of the season against West Virginia. But last year, he battled a couple of issue, issues. He had two surgeries. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he would tell you himself, he was kind of a shell of himself last year. So now he's back. And I... 
I remember when he came in the program. I mean, Stanton Weber is a good friend of mine, and he was uh, a dynamo on special teams, but he was never a real threat to do a bunch on offense. This is a different story. I think Landry Weber has more athleticism there. He was a star at Bishop Miege, you know, a great program in the Kansas City area. I think there's a legitimate chance you see Landry Weber contribute a lot this year. Yeah, and obviously he knows the game, and so that's going to be helpful. And even backing him up is Tyrone Howe, who's a newcomer to Kansas State as well. And so that third receiver is going to be big. Um, once again, the expectation that we'll be able to use a two-receiver set with a strong tight end is great, but a third receiver that may have that one-on-one on the back end that we need to come through. And so I'll be looking um, for Weber and Howe to make some plays uh, just to be consistent. And they need to build the confidence with Skyler because they haven't been on the field with him consistently. Um, and so that's one of the things you'll, you'll start to do is build in jail early, and then he'll, he'll come to you more often. And so I think that third receiver will be a spot that we need to really pay attention on Saturday. Tight end, you have Nick Lenners listed as the starter with Daniel Amaterbebe and Sammy Wheeler behind yeah. him. You know, the the sexier names there are Daniel Amaterbebe and, and Sammy Wheeler, and I'm, I'm not just talking about the fact that it's a little bit difficult to pronounce <laughs> Amaterbebe. Um, but uh, he is he's a transfer, spent time at USC, then went to Illinois before coming here to K-State. His brother just got drafted. Sammy Wheeler is – we've seen how much of a threat he can be in the passing game, again, when he's healthy, but that's right. – that's kind of the story of everybody at the tight end position. Nick Lenners has battled severe injuries throughout his career. It matter, baby. That's his track record. And then Sammy Wheeler's had two, um, I believe, on like both sides of his clavicle at K-State. So tight end, they have a lot of potential, a lot of upside there if they can stay healthy. And that we know, Aaron, in this offense, the tight end is, is pretty vitally important. Yeah, and if you think about it, a tight end is always a safety valve, right? It's always who the quarterback looks to when the quarterback's getting rushed. The safety valve sitting out there five, ten yards, just in the flats, and you dump it off to him. And so, if you think historically for Kansas State, right? You think of Shad Meyer, you think of Justin Swift, you, you think of uh, even more last year. If you think of all the tight ends that's come through there, we've always used the tight ends in our offense in some form or fashion. And so, because of that, and even Dimmel, even though he was more of a, a, a H back, um, we used him like a tight end. And so, I think that. The tight end is going to be a real position that we need to focus on as well. Um, once again, can we go over the top? We have the talent. Will we go over the top? To be determined. And so, obviously, as I mentioned, that third receiver and that tight end, which could occupy the whole backside, is going to be important for us because if we can open up the field in that aspect, then we can start to use Deuce accordingly, and then we become a versatile offense. You know, one thing I'm curious to get your opinion on here as we head into the Stanford game is – I've kind of set this up and framed this as a very important game for a number of reasons. I mean, there's the obvious, like it's a season opener. You want to yeah. win. It's on a big stage. You're playing in in Jerry World in Arlington. Um, I guess you can't say it's on national TV with, with it just being on FS1. But, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity. But beyond that, it's been, let's see, I calculated up the days earlier. 315 days since K-State won a football oh, wow. game by the time this kicks off because it was October. It was late October, October 24th. The last time K-State won a game, that was beating Kansas. There were five straight losses to end the season. You also have a really tough first six games of the year. I mean, the first half of the schedule is particularly tricky for K-State this year. So, you know, this is the type of game. I don't want to oversell it too much because we have a tendency, I think, in the media to do this sometimes. And, you know, you can lose to Arkansas State and come back and beat Oklahoma, uh, as we saw last year. But if you're talking about a tone setter for the season, like – and a fan base that's just starved for winning and something that's not conference realignment talk like that, all of that. I think it just makes it so important to come out and show well in this game. Yeah, the, the stars line up. Like, this is a big game, right? There's no way to downplay it. Um, many reasons it's the big game, as you mentioned, the first game of the year, but it's a non-conference game. Um, 
big opponent. Um, like you said, it, it's got the national exposure, right? And so it's one of those games where um, you had a full offseason now. But, you know, it's different than last year. And so the way the COVID kicked in, it kind of put some pauses in there. But now you've had a chance to actually get your team together, um, reevaluate. Like we said, we got some fresh faces. We got some transfers coming in. We got some seasoned vets. I mean, it's time to put it together. You know, it's, it's, it's getting to a point where, you know, the game is here. And so I expect us to play well. I really do. I've heard some really good things coming out of Manhattan. Um, obviously, there are some things that we need to make sure that can pan out, right? There are some question marks around, hey, how are we going to look on the linebackers, right? Like I said, once I keep talking about go going deep because I want to make sure we have a big play offense, right? Because we cannot turn around and hand it to Deuce uh, time and time again. That's going to minimize his ability to be effective. We're going to be predictable. We're going to get in third and long. We're going to lose field position, and it just starts to rattle on. And so for us, I need some guys to step up, as I think they will early on, and I'm excited to see Skylar play as well because he just brings a sense of patience and confidence to the offense. And I think we missed that um, towards the end of last year. Uh, and there's nothing we could do about that, right? We had a freshman that was playing his heart out, you know, doing the best he can. But Skylar has a sense of the it factor. And uh, I'm excited to see that again. Well, I've got a couple of things. You just jogged my, my brain on a couple of things that I heard today at the press conferences that I want to ask you about. One is, so Deuce was, uh, Chris Kleiman said, the best thing about him compared to last year is just that he's more confident because he has a better understanding of the offense and what's going on, which you would you would imagine. Yep. But I, I've heard that a bunch. And so I, I went up to Deuce and I said, look, man, I we keep hearing about you're more confident, you are a student of the game and, and all of that. I think we know and understand that. But in terms of like physically what you're better at or like ability-wise on the field, what are you better at? And he said route running. He said mm -hmm. his biggest focus was route running this year which tells you like how they intend to use him. It's not going to be just handed off out of the eye formation 30 times. Uh, they're going to use him in a variety of ways. What, what did you see from him last year in terms of a route runner? And like how, how tricky is that for a running back to kind of develop in that area? So last year they used him. They, he, he ran the flat. He ran the Texas route coming out, which is just a little arrow route. It was just one of those little dump off routes. And once he got the ball in his hands, obviously he made some plays. I think now what you'll see is, is hopefully they get a chance to split him out a little bit. Um, in the slot and be able to work against a linebacker. And so whether it's a delayed out route or a flat route or they roll and they roll that way and hit them on a, a go route, I'm anxious to see them play just because I think we can use mismatches. I think obviously, hopefully we see a wheel route. Um, those are just some of the things I'm thinking about is that if he's confident in his route run and scholars trust him, then we need to use that to the best of our advantage. And then we can hit him with the, the draw play and then we can hit him with a counter. And so there's just different ways that we can get him, but Deuce has got to get on the outside, right? We've got to get him an open space. We've got to get him some one-on-one -on -one matchups. If we can do those things, I think we'll see the best of Deuce come out this year. Yeah, and it sounds like that is going to be the key for all of the offense, just trying to find different ways to get him in space. And I love that. I mean, you bring up the angle route. Like, you think back to the Texas Tech game, like that's how, yeah. they, that's how they won the Texas Tech game was with that little angle route that Will Howard hit him on, and that could be so effective. But that seems to me like a pretty – pretty basic route, right? Like there's a lot more that you could expand upon that with, with Deuce in the passing game, I would imagine. Yeah, well, it, it, it's an angle route, but it's an option route. And so what happens is when he comes out and he makes that first cut, he has a choice at times to go back inside or go outside, and he just reads the back so he can't be wrong. And so because of that, it's one of those scenarios where as long as the quarterback and him are on the same page, that should be a completion. And so I, I expect to see that on third and three, third and four. It's just one of those conservative routes that historically – 
most offenses have always used if they have a running back that can do it. They did it with Le'Veon Bell. They do it with LaShawn McCoy. They do it Ezekiel Elliott. It's just the known play, and it's extremely hard to cover because the back sits inside, you run a flat. He jumps on the outside, you run a, you run that little slant, and that's just where it's going to be. And so everybody else releases deep, opens up, and the linebackers open up that gap, and then there you go. Well, uh, that should be a big matchup against Stanford because the one thing that I've heard, I was talking to Yogi Roth earlier today, who was the lead analyst for the Pac-12 Network, and he's been up at Stanford practice. And they they feel very good about their linebacker play. So watch out for Deuce against the Stanford linebackers. Like who can win that battle may go a long yeah. way toward determining who who actually wins the game. And, you know, another thing, too, that I found very interesting from the, the press conference today, I thought it was one of the most thoughtful answers that I've heard from a player in a long time, was Skylar Thompson, and, you know, we're talking about guys being on the same page. You would think he and Deuce are going to be. They've talked about they, – they just had an extra session yesterday where the receivers and Deuce all got together with Skylar just to go over some things. Um, but, look, Skylar's about as mature as you can possibly get. being <laughs> 24 years old right now and a sixth-year senior, and he was asked, do you feel like you still have anything to prove? And his answer was – Earlier in my career, I would have told you yes, and I used to be so fueled by that, and that was all that I thought about. But he said, now, like I've learned, no matter what it is that I do, there's going to be somebody on Twitter that thinks that I'm not very good. Um, right. Just You can't satisfy everybody, so I'm just in a different headspace and have a different mind about the way that I go about things, which I found, you know, I know a lot of people want the hyper-focused, like Tom Brady kind of guy right. that's, just, you know, even though you've won six Super Bowls, you can find somebody else who thinks that you're not any good and that kind of drive. But I feel like in today's day and age, with all the social media and everything that surrounds players, like I, I actually really appreciated that attitude. And I thought, you know, for a team that was trying to revamp the locker room from the way last year ended, I, I just like the way that Skyler thinks and the kind of head that he has on his shoulders right now going into this year. You know, I had a chance to talk to Skylar probably two weeks ago, um, and I hadn't really had a chance to meet Skylar, so it was a really, it was a really good introduction. You can tell via phone is is the calmness and the confidence, uh, just the maturity that you spoke about, and so feels like I was talking to a grown man. And so I think that if he has that same maturity and tone in the huddle, then people are going to follow him, right? He's going to be the leader, and so. Um, like I said, I expect him to come out and use his intelligence, right? I'm not just solely focused on his his ability to run or throw or be efficient, but really understand the game within the game. And so um, with Colin Klein giving him some of the information on the back end, I mean, those are two guys right there that really know how football was supposed to be played. And so excited to see them put it together. Uh, I think that's an advantage for Kansas State, um, just because a 24-year-old quarterback, if we look at the number alone, He's been through some things. Like I said, we talked about adversity and on and off the field. And so just excited to see him take ownership and command. And I think that's going to give us a different perspective from the Kansas State offense. Let's get a quick take on what you think of Stanford. I mean, I guess I can I can lead off here and just say that it's very interesting when you look at them, what they've been last year and the year before. Two years ago, they had an uncharacteristically down year. I mean, that's been – David Shaw is the all-time winningest coach in Stanford history. Um, he has been lights out in his 11 years there. But they had a down year two years ago, the last full season, where they went 4-8. and eight. Last year, they started 0-2, but one of those games, Davis Mills, who was a third-round pick of the, the Houston Texans, Texas, yeah. yeah, he was taken out because of COVID in week one, and so they had to play a young quarterback, and they got blasted by Oregon. But then they won four straight to end the year and were playing really good football, then lost Davis Mills. So now there's a quarterback battle. But their, their team last year was very 
very much more oriented around the passing game, which is abnormal for them. They were the second best team in the Pac-12 at throwing the football, albeit in a weird year. You know, that probably affected some things. Yeah. But now it's like, what? what is the identity of Stanford? They still have not named a starting quarterback. They're just going right. to an or on the depth chart and may play <laughs> two. And K-State fans know all about how tricky that can get if you're playing two quarterbacks. So I don't – it's just hard for me to get a real read on, on what exactly Stanford is and what kind of a team K-State's going to be facing. Well, well I, I think Stanford always has an identity. And what I remember is 2016, uh, Christian McCaffrey going, was it 89 yards or so for yeah. touchdown? Um, I mean, and so Stanford always has what I would call sneaky athletes. And so um, obviously from watching Tyler up in Seattle, got a chance to watch the Richard Shermans and the, and the Baldwins of the world. But Stanford always has phenomenal athletes, tight end, tight end university. Um, and so not only are they intelligent, but they're always physically fit. Like they have a really good program on the end of it. And so what I would expect is um, strong receiver coming in. Um, they have a receiver that's on their team that should show up. Like you said, can they get the ball to them to be determined? But they lost two linemen, a quarterback, a receiver, and a DB to the draft. And so anytime you have five guys drafted in a year, then you have a pretty nice recruiting uh, process going on. Even when I came out in 2002 draft, we had seven guys drafted that year. And so um, just to be around a team that has that many pro prospects, not to count the undrafted free agents that get signed, let you know that they're bringing in quality and talent. And so even though they haven't I, I named a starting quarterback, I wouldn't expect that to be a drop-off at all, right? I would expect that whoever that is to come in and be able to run the offense efficiently. And so um, what I'm looking for is can we move their offensive linemen? They're known for having studs on the linemen. They don't have them for, for good tight ends. And so if we can get some push, that's going to be important. If they push us backwards and able to run the ball, then it may be a long afternoon for Kansas State defensively. We agree. I think the front seven is key to me. Like I, the, the front seven is going to be tested and they need to show up. And that's, that's what we, I think, anticipate being potentially a weakness, obviously the linebackers in particular there, but I, I think that'll really set the tone for K-State on defense. Yeah. I really don't, I, you know, Stanford's defense kind of struggled last year. I, I just feel so optimistic about the offense right now that I, I feel like K-State is going to be able to move the ball um, and score some points. So I, I almost anticipate a higher scoring game. I mean, I, I don't know how specific we want to be on the the show about predictions, but like, I I don't know. It seems to me like a 30 to 27 kind of a game. Um, And I do feel like it's going to be pretty close one way or the other. Yeah. I think one, one area that I'm going to really watch come Saturday is our, is our DBs, right? We're fairly young um, as far as experience um, on the corners. And so excited to see how they really pan out, right? Talent is there. Um, but once again, um, and Van Malone's defense, can they put it together, right? Can they be consistent? And so um, that's just going to be interesting to me because if we give up one too many balls and we can't stick with receiver, then that gives them hope and maybe there's some plays we're going to give up. But um, very comfortable at safety, right? We've got some experience there with Jay Mack. Um, but, you know, if, if you think about it, you know, Russ is new coming in as a transfer, um, but he'll feed off of Jay Mack. They'll, they'll play well there. The corners is what I'm really focused on to say, can we show up and are we going to have any type of rotation? Are we going with just the corners that we believe in or are there going to be a, a three or four rotation there? Yeah, it's a great point on defensive backs because I think they're very talented. And I think by the end of the year, yeah, that's probably going to be the strength of the defense and, and hopefully one of the strengths on the team overall. But yeah, what's that communication like in week one? I mean, we I talked today to Echo Boydo and Russ Yeast and Julius Brents. And they all 
kind of brushed off the communication questions. They're like, look, it's <laughs> it's fine. We're we're here. We've all been together. They, and they seem like a very tight group, but it's another thing when you get out in the heat of the moment and the battle and all of that and trying to communicate. That that can be more difficult. Yeah. I, I, I will say this too. Julius Brents, man, <laughs> I don't know, Aaron, if you've been around him, like talk about the size and length that he has, and that's what makes him so enticing. Like just actually looking at him, I'm like, that that kid is six three, six four with like legitimate, legitimate length. I mean, I I haven't been excited for a K-State corner like that in a long yeah. time. No, that'd be exciting. And even behind him, Justin Gardner. J- Justin's yeah. not a small guy, right? Justin's coming in as 6'2 as well, long, um, hutch guy. But then Echo is who I'm really excited about. And so we talked a little about this earlier. Um, Echo gives me the Terrence Newman vibes. And what I mean by that is not so much Terrence experience on the field, but Terrence coming out of Salina. And so Terrence – you know, was always a 5'11", six-foot guy, always a 165, 170 into the later part of his career where he put on some weight. But I kind of get that vibe from, from Echo a little bit. Echo's a 4'3 guy, you know, run, runs uh, pretty lanky. And so I'm excited to see him. The times that I saw him last year, made some plays, was in the right position. You can see the athletic talent there. He just needs reps. He just needs to get out there and be consistent and do it. And so once that confidence kicks in, um, excited to see. And we talked about it a little bit earlier, you know, even A.J. Parker, right? Congrats to AJ making the, the Dallas, I mean Dallas, making the Detroit team. Um, yeah. But it's that confidence. It's that confidence we talked about, right? He battled a couple of injuries at Kansas State. He gets to Detroit um, injury-free, plays lights out. Now he's fighting for a starting job. And so excited to see, you know, what Echo can do when given the opportunity on the field. Yeah, I love it. And shout out to AJ Parker, man. Really cool. Sounds like yep. he may get the opportunity to even be the starting nickel for the Lions this yep. year. That is, sweet. that is awesome. Sweet. Proud of him. That's great. All right, any final thoughts, Aaron, before we wrap it up and get to uh, some football this weekend? So how much do you think we're going to rotate on the running backs? You know, I know we've got some speed to burn. Um, I know we want to change pace, but um, we got to win this game, you know. And so, uh, you know, I'm all about, you know, everybody playing as much as they can, but I'm also about putting your studs out there. So excited to see how the rotation works out, right? Is it is it 75, 25, 80, 20, 50, 50, whatever it is, I know that uh, it'll be effective, but just anxious to see how the rotation works across all positions. Um, like I said, uh, I think for one thing, we can be comfortable with a scholar will be out there. And so um, just excited to see them, you know, ready to start 2021 off. Um, glad they're playing down in our Arlington, big game against Stanford, ready for us to show up. That's right. A lot of offensive playmakers, Deuce Vaughn, Joe Irvin, Malik Knowles, Daniel Matterbebe. Let's see it, man. I'm, yeah. I'm ready for it. It's going to be fun. Again, if you, you do happen to run into us, if you're going to be down there at the game uh, in Arlington, for sure, come up and say hi. We'd love to see you. And I know that you guys will have your 360 Vodka in tow. 360 Vodka at Holiday Distillery. Uh, do a great, awesome job in supporting KCSN and everything that we do here and helping bring you this K-State content each and every single week here throughout football season. Load up on the 360 Vodka if you're heading to Arlington or we keep talking about tailgates. If you're just going to be having the the watch party at home, obviously it's a a great way to go there as well. And if the game's kicking at 11, maybe it doesn't have to be all screwdrivers and Bloody Marys. Maybe you can just go Vodka Cranberry, whatever it is that you're rolling with there. They can can handle it all. Craft cocktails, batch drinks, infusions, all of that. Really appreciate 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery. Okay, for Tucker Franklin behind the scenes and BJ Kissel, Aaron Lockett as well. I'm John Kurtz signing off here on another edition of Lock It Up with Kurtz. Go Cats, and we'll talk to you hopefully after a win over Stanford. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.